Julie, what's going on, girl? Thank you so much for being on the Biz, Biz Women. I can't believe I just mess, messed up my own introduction. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Man, tongue-tied already. This is so bad. Okay, let's start that over. You're listening to the Biz Women Rock Podcast. This is episode 203. Hey, hey, what's going on, ladies? Welcome to the Biz Women Rock Podcast, your home for amazing, very real stories about phenomenal businesswomen in all sorts of different industries over all sorts of different parts of the world who are here to share the real stories of how they've grown their businesses so that you can take some practical ideas and go implement them in your business. Now, if you're just starting your business, there's an amazing resource that you can tap into. It's called How to Launch Your Brand Online. It is an ebook that I created just for you. If you want to make sure that your business is represented very well and very effectively in the online space, including on a website, uh, on a blog, on social media, then being able to follow these very simple steps to be able to build up a customer base that is dying for exactly what you got That's what this book is all about. Go find out more at bizwomenrock.com. This is going to be a fun show because we're talking underwear. That's right. I have the founder of Dear Kate. Her name is Julie Siegel, and she created a company that creates revolutionary underthings. And you're going to get a little bit more of an idea about what that's all about. All you need to know right now is that it's super cool, revolutionary technology uh, and new material type of underwear as well as yoga pants. Uh, So just a cool product. But what makes the company so cool is not just the product really, but it's how they market and it's how they get the word out and it's how people are starting to uh, talk about them and the conversations that they're creating, which is really one of the biggest highlights of this interview. If you want really great insight about how to get people talking about your brand so that it's driving traffic to your website and selling your product, um, or at least your website is doing a good job of selling your product, this is a tremendous interview um, because Julie can talk all about that. Um, And if you want to know also about what to do when that buzz that's created is controversial, she's going to go into that as well. Now... Really important thing for you to know, very, very important thing is that she is giving away a special discount just for you. Just because you, as part of the Biz Women Rock community, are listening and super awesome, which is what I told her you are, um, she's giving you a discount, 25% off on your very first purchase. You're going to go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash 203 and you're gonna see your special discount code there, okay? So please make sure to go there. It's only good until the end of September uh, of 2015, so go get your 25% off. I promise you I have a set of these undies, and they're awesome. Uh, All right, so now let's get into the interview with Julie, and uh, yeah, make sure to get your, uh, your discounted undies. Julie, thank you so much for being on the Biz Women Rock podcast. I'm so happy you're here. Thanks for having me. Well, um, I couldn't be more excited to have you on the show and to be able to share about your business journey. Dear Kate, um, I I have to tell this story. So um, quite often, 
you know, I'm out there searching for women who I think have really cool stories. And that's often how I'm, I'm going and finding guests on the show. And every once in a while, I have a woman contact me through the website and just say, hey, you know, and kind of pitches me and says, hey, I think you should, I think, you know, I should be on your show and here's why. And I look at every single one of them and I research every single one of them because if it's legitimate, awesome, great. If it's somebody who's like, hey, we're just, you know, kind of trying to use this for PR, then I can sense that. And I'm like, well, hang on a second. You know, does it really add value? And one of your associates contacted me and was so sweet and did the best pitch I've ever seen, (laughs) which was just so like giving. She's like, hey, this is the company. I'm so proud, you know, that I'm here. Here's the founder. I'll even give you, you know, I'd love to send, whether you have us or not, I'd love to give you a free sample of our undies. And I was like, ooh, okay, cool. Let me, let's rock it. So I did some research on you and I was just so fascinated by how you've existed, how this company has evolved, and what you are in the in this particular industry. So I'm very, very happy that you're here so everyone else can really hear this story. So let's start out with Dear Kate. Do a quick explanation as to what Dear Kate actually is so everyone knows what we're talking about from up front, and then we'll kind of dig into the behind-the-scenes story. Sure, absolutely. Um, it's quite the introduction, so <laughs> I, hope I, I hope I live up to the expectations. Um, but no, we do have a really fun, fun team and a really fun company um, that's based around our products that are a little different. So, um, so they're they're fun to talk about. Um, Dear Kate is a startup, and we make high performance underwear and yoga pants for women. And they are not your usual high performance. Um, they eat each pair. They have a lining, and it's called Underlux. And it's, so it's our patent-pending fabric that I developed. I studied chemical engineering in college. And it basically keeps you prepared for anything as a woman. Um, and that's, you know, everything from working out to that time of the month. We recognize that women's bodies operate differently than men. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what, what could happen if, what would happen if we developed the Wonder Woman pair of underwear for women? And so the, the inner lining is wicking, so it pulls moisture away from the body. It's stain releasing, so you never have to hand wash your under things. Um, and then the outer layer is a thin protective layer. So you're totally covered no matter what. Um, And the yoga pants also have the same fabric lining in them. And so they're designed to be worn with no underwear. So you actually don't have any bunching when you're working out at the gym. Um, There's no underwear lines. So it's kind of, I laugh at the fact that we started out as an underwear company. And then last year, we started making yoga pants that you were actually supposed to wear without underwear. So I was like, wait a second, are we like, kicking ourselves in the (laughs) shins there, you know, because we're like saying, wait, don't wear underwear at all. Um, but you know, no, it's been, it's been a really, really good expansion. So, um, yeah, that, that's, those are our products. Very cool. Well, and as a, uh, wearer of one of your undies, by the way, I will just give a brief little testimonial that it's awesome and very different, very, and sexy, like actually really cute. So these are not your granny panties that, (laughs) you know, uh, have all this awesome technology. But so let's start a little bit with where you came up with this idea in the first place. Like, had you, were you kind of like entrepreneurial at a young age? I know you started this company very young, but like, were you entrepreneurial or did, like, what happened to actually create this company in your mind? Hmm. That's a, that's a good question of whether I was entrepreneurial. 
Um, I would say yes. I loved selling Girl Scout cookies when I was younger. <laughs> like there was something about it that really appealed to me. I think partially because I was super shy when I was a little kid. Um, and so I didn't like selling cookies when I was six and seven years old. And my parents made me that, you know, they were like, no, you're going to, you know, not, not like on a large scale, but like for the first couple of years, I didn't sell that many boxes. You know, we would walk around my neighborhood and, you know, my dad would be like, Julie has a question that she'd like to ask you. And I'm like, dad, can't you ask them? <laughs> um, That's great. But, you know, growing up, I became much more outgoing and ended up selling over 10,000 boxes oh over 12 years. Holy cow. So I would say yes. As a child, that was like my entrepreneurial story. Um, but that was so different than like starting a business. You know, you had like this amazing product that everyone knew what it was. Everyone went crazy over it when you walked in the door. Um, so it, it was good because it taught me, you know, sales. Um, but it, all, all the branding and the, you know, the product supply and all of that was done for you. So it was, it was a good way to test the waters. Right. Um, and then I was studying engineering in college, um, and, and I thought that I was going to go into, like, research either in, a, in, like, food chemistry or cosmetics or maybe pharmaceuticals. I, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do and happened to take an elective class in entrepreneurship just for fun my junior spring. And um, our professor paired us into groups, and there were three, there were three women in my group and one guy. So he was a really good sport because we started brainstorming and the professor was like, oh, you know, think of a, think of a solution to an everyday problem. Those are the best business plans that I've seen. And so we came up with the idea. We we're like, every woman has a horror story during that time of the month. And, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, even if it's not every single month, you don't have anything crazy happening. It's something that a lot of us you know, we were stressed about, right? And as busy, ambitious women who are doing a million things, um, there are some times when you just, like, forget <laughs> that you're on your period or, <laughs> or, like, forget that it's coming and or, like, you know, all of that. And so we're like, what if we made this new type of underwear? Who knows if it's possible, but, you know, stain releasing, you know, no hand washing, all of that, protective layer. And, and like, let's face it, really comfortable and cute so that you're not like reaching to the back of your underwear drawer every month right. for like your ugliest pairs. Um, so that was like how the idea came about. And a professor was totally supportive after his initial reaction of like, huh? Like what? <laughs> you know, is this, well, he is this the, know problem? the problem? <laughs> no, he was like, he's like, I've never heard of this. So <laughs> this is um, talked about in the women underground, man. Come on. <laughs> So, so he was like, do some market research, come back and convince me that there's a market for this product. Um, and we came back and, well, we did surveys and we came back and said, hey, 88% of the women that we talked with um, are interested in trying a pair. And so we think that's a pretty striking statistic. Right. And he said, yeah, that sounds, that sounds like there's totally a demand. Um, go for it. So that, that was kind of how the idea evolved. Um, and then... 
I can just keep going if well, you want. So from tell there. me this because I know, obviously, I mean, one of the huge benefits of, of doing, and we've had a, a handful of guests on the show who really started their businesses in the same way where they had, they were students, they were sort of, it was a project that they were working on. And one of the huge benefits of that is that you, that's your attention. I mean, that's where your time is going in, into doing the research, into find, finding manufacturing, into, you know, figuring out all of these pieces and components that were you to be working a job at the time or having another business. I mean, there you didn't have that that sort of there for you. So you did your research. You figured all this stuff out. At what point did it become real for you? Like, at what point was it like, okay, this is a business and let's go? Um, I think that near the end of the semester, like all – I was talking about underwear 24-7 <laughs> – And, like, all of my friends knew what I was doing. They were like, so when can I buy some? You know, and they they were, like, dead serious. And they're like, so can you you make this? Um, And so by the end of the semester, it was pretty clear that there was a market. Um, It had had been a project that, that I loved so much. I loved it so much more than any of my other coursework that I was doing. And so I was like, this is way more fun than my engineering classes. Like, am I sure I want to be in a research lab when I could, you know, do a whole business still centered around products that are designed and, and, you know, I can invent this fabric. And so I don't know, it was one of those things where it became very real at the end of the semester and I still had a whole another year left in school Um, But one of the other girls in the class and I decided to work on it. And so she worked with me for the next year and a half or so um, Mm. on on the business. But, yeah, I think I took it pretty seriously, like, very early on. Um, And I had an internship that summer in New York. But, you know, in the evenings, I would be working on it. And um, it was very slow in the beginning, right? Because, like, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have any experience. So, I mean, the, pro- the whole product development process took, um, it, it took about two years. So, so it was definitely a luxury, I would say, or, or serendipitous, right, that I still had another year in college right, so that right. I could figure it all out while um, I didn't have to fully support myself yet. Right. So you, um, I'll, I'll just jump ahead a little bit, but you have raised a good, decent size of money and capital to be able to really get your business out there. Did you raise that capital before you had started actually generating revenue and and had a business running for Dear Kate, or did you, um, or or did you have like the business running and then sort of had the proof of concept and then went to, you know, to investors? How did that How did that happen? Um, that's a great. It's a great question, and it's something that I think a lot about in terms of, you know, the chicken or the egg, which is better, raise money before you have the business or after you actually have proof of concept. Um, and for us, we worked early on closely with a couple of different advisors, and so one of them gave us very small investments in the beginning to purchase fabric samples and to try and get... Um, to try and get a working prototype. But I would say we probably raised maybe around $100,000 before before anything was sold. Okay. 
Um, but all of the money that all of the other money that we raised was after we already had sales. Got it. Okay. So in the sort of like, okay, now you've raised this money and now you're you're you've been working on sort of getting all the pieces together so you could actually have a product, get people to buy the product, get have marketing out there in order to get the people who want to buy the product and fulfill and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, what What kind of things did you learn in that time? And I guess maybe this is a good time to talk about the fact that you started as a different name and sort of with a different focus. So tell a little bit of, about that story, like how you started out, what the focus was, and what the business model really looked like at that time. Totally. Sure. So um, when we first started, I am very much a feminist. I love pushing the envelope. And because our product was something that was different, right? Nobody had made underwear with this special fabric before. I felt like it was appropriate to give it a very bold, different name. Um, That name was Sexy, period. And it was... (laughs) Those are not words I would ever think that would go together. (laughs) (laughs) That your reaction is very similar to a lot of people. (laughs) So what we found is like people either loved it or hated it or were just like extremely perplexed by it. (laughs) Um, And and so our first, we'd made 500 pairs in our beta, like our first sales round, um, all through our website online. And sold out pretty quickly. So that was exciting. But I think that, you know, that was mostly through my friends and friends of friends and, like, the network I'd built over two years developing the product. People who were really excited about it and they were waiting for it. And they had signed up to our newsletter. Um, And we had got – we had – we were really lucky in that we were invited to – I did an interview and it was like a 26 minute long interview on NPR that aired, you know, all over the country, like the week before the pre-sale started. Um, so it was probably like half friends and family and then like half these people who had just heard this interview who bought our first 500 pairs. Um, and so that was great. And then we made some more pairs to start selling in stores, um, while we were still selling, Online, And I think I was just so perplexed because for so long I had imagined that if you, if you create a really amazing product, like if you, if you build it, they will come, mm-hmm. like that people would just come in droves. And like, well, if it's good enough, then, you know, millions of people will buy it. And what I didn't realize is if no one knows that your product exists in the world, they can't even make the choice to buy it or not to buy it. Like they automatically will not buy it if right. they don't know that it exists. Right. Um, and so to me, I think that was a, a very, um, almost like a rude awakening, but just, you know, a very big learning of how much of an entrepreneur's job is actually um, just PR, right? And getting getting yourself, getting your products in front of new people so that they can make the choice to hopefully buy, but to buy or not to buy right. your products. Um, and so pretty quickly within that first year on the market, we realized, okay, wait a second. You know, people love the product, right? I mean, there's obviously, there's always little manufacturing hiccups that you have. So, you know, we worked on our second um, production round, we changed the fit around a little bit and, and all of that. But 
but you know the product was solid. We got really good reviews and and emails from people who loved it. But they said it was really hard to talk about <laughs> to tell their friends because the name. Some people were like, "I don't want to say the word sexy period out loud." And I remember, <laughs> I remember when one of our investors, who was male, came to our office, and we were in a big building. And he was like, I just had the weirdest experience downstairs. He goes, I came in and I didn't know like what floor you guys were on or what office you're on. And the receptionist downstairs says, hi, who are you here to see? And he's like, sexy, period. <laughs> like whispering the company name. And she's like, who? And he's like, sexy, period. <laughs> oh and gosh. he was like, that is a problem. Like mm. I'm invested in this company. I should be proud to like shout the name from the rooftops. And instead I'm like whispering it to the secretary downstairs. Right. Um, and so, so little things like that kind of all added up to us realizing, you know, not only was it, was it that, but, but a lot of my friends were like, this is, this is just my favorite underwear, right? Like I'm doing my laundry and every week when I do my laundry, I'm like wearing your underwear the first three days right. um, because I got three pairs and they're my favorite pairs. <laughs> um, and so we had people who were like, I'm wearing your underwear when I'm working out. I'm wearing them just like every day. And so all of a sudden it was like, okay, our underwear is great for periods and great for that time of the month. But it also is just like the superior underwear for women. And so we need a different name. That reflects that. How did you come up with Dear Kate? That's a very unique kind of off-the-wall name. Yeah. Um, so I hate trademarks. <laughs> and like, you know, when you're like trying to think of a name, it's just like, how do you think of something that you can use um, that's not taken? So the process was really painful. Um, and it, it took a long time. It took, I don't know, many, many months, um, longer than it should have. But... We love the notion of like an advice column, dear Anne, dear Abby. Mm -hmm. um, it's like a female figure who is who's giving advice. She's there for you, um, and we liked. We wanted to use a woman's first name, like Kate, that is not generational. So Kate could be young. She could be you know she could be really any age, right. um, and. And so she's a fictional character, which is sometimes confusing. Some, uh, all the time, just yesterday, someone called me Kate, and I'm like, "That's okay, you know, whatever. Um, I'll answer to Kate." But, but you know, I'm I am not Kate. Um, she's our muse in the office. She's like cheering you on. Um, she's your speed dial in a crisis, and she has your back. Um, so that's that's kind of like who we we think of her as. I love it. Well, in in sort of you know continuing to highlight how you guys are doing things differently. One of the things that I'm really fascinated by and I really want you to give uh, shed some light on is your marketing strategy because you guys have done things very deliberately um, that are turning out to be pretty controversial and definitely getting people's attention. So, um, you know, the first one of one of the things that you've done is you guys have a very active Instagram community and, you know, you're constantly posting um, you know, people and women, really smart, you know, business women in their underwear, in their Dear Kate underwear. And um, and I know that you've had like a couple of ads that have showcased different women. I think you had like a tech, tech women in tech uh, mm -hmm. uh, shoot where you had, I think, like about six or seven women and named every single one of them. These are very wonderful, prominent, smart uh, women in technology. 
and they're in their underwear. And it just caused a very surprising uproar of controversy. But I mean, th- th- that's one of the things. But you've also, I mean, you know, you're talking about your PR, you're getting on shows, you have been featured in Elle magazine, you've been featured in Fortune magazine, you have, you know, you're getting on live television programs. What has, can you talk us through like a few of the different marketing strategies that you guys have used from your vantage point that have, that have sort of allowed things to be very different for you and get you the attention that you're really looking for? Sure. Um, so, I mean, I'll start out to say that, you know, everything we do is because we believe in it. And a lot of the things that we've done that have been controversial didn't start out to be controversial, right, right. if that makes sense. Yep. Um, so over a little over a year ago, we started featuring women in our lookbooks who we admired because of who they are and what they do and not simply how they look. So instead of recruiting uh, models from traditional modeling agencies, we, we began by just asking our friends. Um, and so we started naming each collection after a woman in history and then trying to find someone who had similar characteristics as that person. So for the Ella collection, named after Ella Fitzgerald, um, one of our friends who's an independent musician, uh, Mary Beth Duran, she was our model for the collection. And so she came to New York, she did a concert, we actually did um, a release of her new single, and filmed a music video of her getting ready for her concert in the underwear. And it was so fun um, that we kept doing it. And so, you know, we had, uh, we had a trapeze artist who modeled for our Amelia collection two falls ago, um, and named after Amelia Earhart. And, and so in that same vein, we last August shot the Ada collection, the lookbook for it, um, named after Ada Lovelace. So the world's first computer programmer and famous mathematician. Um, And so for that lookbook, we asked friends and friends of friends and, um, you know, went out through our networks to find awesome women who were doing things in the tech space. And so, you know, we had done this with dancers and athletes and a florist and musician, um, never, I mean, sure, we got some press for launching a new collection, but, but the press just had a field day and went crazy over the fact that we put women in tech in their underwear. Mm. And it was like, it's totally fine. Like, no one bats an eyelash if, if a florist is in her underwear, but like, someone who works in tech oh my goodness, no. Like, she needs to cover herself up, <laughs> you know? So this was the first one, because, I mean, you had you had done a lot of other uh, uh, photo shoots with other women. You had put out a bunch of other stuff in these lookbooks of wi- all sorts of different types of women in their underwear, but women in tech t- happened to be, like, the, you know, the topic that the people really had a problem with? Yeah. And and <clears throat> I will say that, like, I, I am not immune or, or unaware of like the, the large conversation that's happening in our society now about women in tech and how do we, um, it's a huge issue, right? How do we recruit more women to, to go into tech careers? Um, and so we featured the women in our lookbook because 
like I really admire women who are in traditionally male-dominated fields. Um, I really appreciate that there are women in tech who are at the table making decisions. Um, and we specifically, you know, had conversations to say, we really want to highlight these women. We want to use our platform for good. Um, and we want to make sure that our lookbook, like, doesn't sexualize them, you know, as much as we can. So there were no poses where they're making pouty faces or <laughs> anything like that. Um, you know, it was shot in an office and they were coding on their laptops and just like really um, down to earth, you know. And so, and to me, to me, that's way more aspirational than someone like lying in on a bed in sheets with her mouth half open. You know, like right. I, I would much rather be the the woman who is is getting things done. Um, so, so that was really just fascinating to me. How I think Time dot com called it controversial and published a few um, negative responses, and then just like literally twenty to thirty other publications. Um, I did a ton of interviews, landed on CNBC Live the next week. Um, in the morning on Squawk Box, and and it was it was really fascinating. It was a really big conversation, and you know, some of my a couple of my friends they were like, "This is crazy." And my friend Melissa, she was like, "I'm going to post a picture of myself in my underwear on my Instagram. What do you want me to hashtag it?" <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, and so we had this whole conversation, and you know, a bunch of my friends were like, "Yeah, like this is ridiculous. We we want to post and support." And so we created the hashtag Not Controversial. Um, and about 50 women or so over the next week posted selfies in their underwear on Instagram and, and tagged it in support of, of the sentiment being that, you know, seeing a woman in her underwear doesn't mean anything about her intelligence, about her capability, about how smart she is. And, you know, women should be respected regardless of what we're wearing. Right, right. Um, and so that was really cool. And of course, I, I did it too. You know, someone tweeted at me, well, where's your picture in underwear? Yeah. So, um, you know, I was right out there with everyone because um, I really believe in it. Right. Uh, so it was, yeah, it was fun. It was, it was an interesting dialogue that, that got more press than I thought it would. What has yeah. that, like, what effects has that had on your business? Like, were you seeing more traffic? Were you seeing more sales? Were you seeing like, uh, you know, hey, were there haters out there? I mean, what what kind of effect did it really have in practical terms on your company? Um, I would say the the majority, the overwhelming majority of the support was positive, and so for the most part, you know, we did we did get a lot of visits to the website and definitely email signups, definitely sales. Um, you know, there were a few haters, but I would say for the most part, people appreciated our point of view and appreciated that we were using women, um, you know, that we, that we weren't just using women as ornaments right. to display our underwear. We actually interviewed them, all the models, and um, included their answers on our blog and, you know, used some quotes from them and our lookbook and, and things like that. So I think overall it was it was positive, but um, 
yeah, it was it was very dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm very curious because uh, um, I. It, think, and this is my interpretation, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but the majority of your business really comes through your website. Is that right? Or like how much business are you doing via your website versus kind of retail and in stores? Yes. I mean, I were in, you know, a few dozen stores now, um, but really almost all of our um, almost all of our revenue comes through our website. And that's what we've focused on right. in the last few years is, you know, building a relationship with customers. I love that we can explain how the fabric works. We can show all of the styles, you know, right to the person who's buying it rather than depending on someone else in a store to explain our product when they have 50 other brands <laughs> to right. also, um, also explain. And, you know, that doesn't mean that that we we don't want to sell in stores. Um, we we just look at our in store presence. I think more as a marketing opportunity and more as a discovery for people to hear about us and find us. But um, you know, when you can buy any of our styles on our website, and you know, we have a fabulous exchange policy. So if you get something and it's too big or too small. We're really, really good about taking care of that and saying, you know, you know what? No sweat. Like, we want you to find something that fits you to a T. Um, so, so, you know, we'll swap them out. It's right. pretty easy. What do you, that being said, what do you guys do? What are some of your, the strategies that work for you to get traffic to your website? Um, so for us, it's all about authentic, free PR and like creating conversations Mm -hmm. so that people are talking about what we're doing. Um, And that's as simple as reaching out to, you know, podcasts that we like, to Instagrammers that we think are cool, um, people who we're very aligned with in terms of empowering women. Um, And we don't, we don't like to pay for press because we find that um, I think people these days, we want to know that if someone is featuring a product on their platform, that it's something that they actually like, right? And they're not just getting paid to promote it. Um, so we generally try to steer away from any paid advertising. Um, not saying that we'll never do it, but I would say the, the large majority of outreach that we do is, you know, building genuine relationships with women who we admire. And then, you know, if they have a platform, they'll talk about us. Right. Um, that's probably been the most successful thing. I would say also we try to, we try to do things that are, that are noteworthy, right. That are like worthy of, um, a conversation. So last year when we launched our Kickstarter campaign, when we launched our yoga pants, we did it through Kickstarter. And so we really, um, you know, made the video and and really reached out to all the press outlets to say, like, hey, this is a new type of yoga pant. Um, no one else is designing pants that are designed to be worn with nothing under. And, and you should check it out. Um, and so that was really successful in terms of getting people talking. Um, Business Insider did a video on interviewing me about the pants and of course they titled it like 
women are going crazy over these no underwear yoga pants. <laughs> you know, I was just like, oh my God, women are going crazy. Like that it makes women in general sound crazy, but whatever. Um, you know, and so that, that drove a lot of people to, to our website. That was last fall. And then mo- more recently, um, we, at the beginning of April, we launched a short film called First Time. And we interviewed over 20 women about the first time they got their period. And so for us, this was a way to, you know, have a conversation about the fact that like periods are very silenced, I think, in our, mm-hmm. in our culture. Um, it's often, you know, as we started talking with friends and everything, we realized that so many of us, you know, we just didn't want to tell anyone, right? Like there's, there's um, somewhat of like a secrecy around it. And so, you know, partially because we think that that's, that's silly, right? Like, I mean, it's been ingrained in us from, from mothers and female figures and everything and um, seeing people growing up, like being very secretive about slipping a pad or a tampon to someone who needs it. Um, not that, not that like we should be going around shouting, oh, I'm on my period right now, get out of my way, <laughs> you know, like, like it doesn't have to be something that we have to really hide or be like mortified that someone's going to find out because it's, it's really not a bad thing. You know, it, it's natural. Um, and it's a great thing that if you want to have a baby, like that allows, that allows you to do it. Um, so that, that's our goal with the film. Um, and it's, it's been wildly successful um and we've had a lot of great press come out of it and so I think that as much as as much as we have an equally great product we try to think of um things other things that it touches upon culturally and then um bring those into the dialogue how are you different now as an entrepreneur and as a businesswoman versus when you first started out? Oh, goodness. Um, Definitely, you know, less perfectionistic. Um, Definitely, I would say, um, um, I'm less like a ping pong ball. And what I mean by that is I wanted people to tell me what to do, right? Like I wanted people to tell me okay, step one, step two, step three. And so I would, I would meet with all of these different advisors. And of course, that was like coupled with investors sometimes. And so like investors are oftentimes as a group, like the most negative people that you'll ever meet because like they're shooting all of these holes in your, in your business plan, um, which is partially their job, I guess. Um, but, but I was getting advice from people and and they would tell me something I'd be like oh yeah that's a great idea all right all right that's our plan that's what we're gonna do and then you know the very next day I would meet with someone else and they're an expert in some other field and so the way they approach business is different and so I would be like okay so what do you what do you think we should do and they would be like well here here's what I would do so like they lay out their plan and I'm like man, you know what, that's, 
yes, absolutely. That's what we should do. And so I would just like go from person to person and, and change my strategy every time I met with someone new. Um, because I didn't, I don't feel like I like had a backbone in terms of strategy, right? right like right. I didn't know what I thought or what I believed or what I knew to be true because I didn't have any experience. You were really and impressionable. I was very, very impressionable. Right. And so now it's so much, it's so much easier in a way to get advice from people because, you know, I'll be like, oh yeah, I really like that advice. But then I feel just as free in my mind, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be like, well, no, I'm definitely not going to take your advice. But like in my mind, I'm thinking, well, no, actually we've tried that. Or like, I don't think that's the right direction for us. Um, and there's, there's not this like emotional flip-flopping of, of like, oh, we should do that, but that, but that, you know, because like that'll just drive you crazy. Right. Um, but I didn't know how to sort the advice that I was getting in the beginning. And I think I know how to do that much more now. Like I'm much more focused and, and, you know, if we're not going to do it, we're not going to do it. And that's okay, right? Mm-hmm. Like, right, you, you win by, by saying no to, to things and saying yes to a very few specific things that you bet on and you think are going to work. Mm, love that. Julie, I can't think of a better place to end on that particular note because that was so wonderful. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, I just, I really appreciate you sharing about the journey of Dear Kate and uh, everything that's happened and you guys are continuing to grow. So big congratulations to you. Cool. Thank you so much for having me, Katie. This was wonderful to chat and um, really enjoyed it. Make sure to get your 25% off of your entire first purchase. You you can order a multitude of underwear. You can order a ton of yoga pants. Whatever it is, that that 25% discount is for your first purchase. So go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash 203. Or just go to bizwomenrock.com if you can't remember the 203. And just search for Dear Kate or Julie and you're going to find the specific show notes page that's going to have the discount code for you there, okay? Now, the biggest takeaway that I got from this conversation was how creative Julie and her team really are at creating buzz out there. As you could tell, they they didn't have this like typical, you know, oh, I'm spending X amount of dollars on Facebook ads and on Google ads and, you know, here's how many times we post on social media. It wasn't that. It was like all these creative projects that they did that could really get buzz going. So whether it was getting interviewed or whether it was, uh, you know, getting an article written about them or uh, being featured in some pretty cool magazines or like this new video project that they have out, the uh, first time video. They're just all unique. They're very, very different. So I thought that that was an entirely different paradigm shift of how to market is, is create buzz, get people talking about you, and then they will come to your website. So loved, loved, loved that tip. I hope you had a great time listening to Julie today, and uh, I can't wait to see you on the next episode. And don't forget to get 25% off of your first purchase at Dear Kate. But you need to go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash 203 to get the promo code, okay? I'll see you later.